We're on a mission from God. Wendy? So I got that going. Darling? Looks like I picked the wrong week to quit sniffing blue. Light of my life. We enjoy your films. I am a human being. I thought they smelled bad on the outside. Welcome to Vintage Video, where we're rewatching the 80s so you don't have to. We'll be reviewing every major film release of the 1980s in real time, overanalyzing what you've seen and spoiling what you haven't. I'm Patrick O'Reilly. I'm Jesse Bayless. And I'm Richard Wells. And today marks the 40th anniversary of the release of Loose Shoes, a.k.a. Coming Attractions, on August 1st, 1980. It was written by Ian Prazer, Varley Smith, Ira Miller, and Royce T. Applegate, directed by Ira Miller, and released by National American Films. The eventual title, Loose Shoes, is a reference to the song performed in the final sketch of the film, with lyrics that read, All I really need is tight pussy, loose shoes, and a warm place to shit, which is in turn a reference to the quote that initially started, The only thing the coloreds are looking for is... which forced the resignation of Gerald Ford's Secretary of Agriculture, Earl L. Butts. Wait, I'm sorry. Is the rest of that quote an exact quote of what the song says? Yes. Okay. So this was a reference to that quote. Yikes. That a government official Oof. said and was forced to retire. <laughs> Back in the day when government officials were forced to retire for doing saying and saying terrible things. things. Your numbers didn't go up for saying things like that back then. <laughs> One of the posters features a shoe with a tongue sticking out of it, likely an intentional reference to the poster for Kentucky Fried Movie, which also featured a shoe with a tongue. A human tongue, I should say. Uh, not just a shoe tongue, because there's lots of posters with shoes that also have shoe tongues. Mm. We start the film with opening <laughs> titles. Sorry. Is the film? Yes. This, uh, we start this, this narrative? masterpiece. We're calling it a film. Uh, we start this loose collection of, of rejected sketches uh, with opening titles in spotlights on various Los Angeles area theater marquees, ending with Lorena Theater, where the Happy Hooker Goes Hollywood had its premiere at the end of that film earlier this year. The first sketch is called The Howard Hughes Story. It's a parody of The Howard Hughes Story. We see the film as a slideshow of pictures, and the only actual joke is when the narration transitions from just telling the story of Howard Hughes to a factoid. But his hobby was watching planes fuck. <laughs> over a still of a mid-air refueling. Yeah, it's like one of the only times I laughed in this movie. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, our second uh, mid-air refueling for the year. Though. Right, after the final <laughs> countdown. Uh, the next sketch is called Skateboarders from Hell, which is misspelled B-O-R-D instead of B-O-A-R-D. Uh, it's a parody of the biker gang movies of the 50s and 60s, but we're replacing the motorcycles with the comparatively harmless skateboards. The occasionally topless skateboarders are harassing local business owners, sharing drugs and women, and laughing in the face of death. Narration here is provided by Harry Shearer in Lovejoy mode. One skateboarder blows a straw wrapper into another's eye, and he dies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a knife fight breaks out between two surviving skateboarders, and uh, they put the dead guy's coffin on a skateboard and roll it to the funeral. A guy eulogizes the deceased and announces that the dead man's girlfriend will be buried with him, and they toss her into the hole. The next sketch is the invasion of the penis snatchers. We see a UFO land in the desert, and we cut to a bedroom where a terrified man spends a long time not finding his dick. He and his wife scream, and the same thing happens to a couple other men across town, as the narrator does a Rod Serling impression. And the last shot of this sketch, for whatever reason, 
is a bunch of kids having a food fight while their mother prays i don't understand no what that has to do with the rest of the sketch the next sketch the only one that anyone has bothered to look up on youtube is called three chairs for lefty which i didn't realize until my second watch is supposed to sound like three cheers for lefty yeah but there aren't three chairs for lefty in this sketch there's just one chair we're at san quentin prison and lefty here is played by bill murray He's on death row for killing a judge, and he's scheduled to die tonight. Now Shearer is doing his Kent Brockman voice. This is Lefty Schwartz. He's been sentenced to death in the electric chair. In the laundry room, Lefty learns that they will be escaping at 3.51 tonight via a tunnel just a couple hours before his execution. A guard interrupts the exchanging of this information with a letter from the warden asking for his recipe for stroganoff and a good wine pair so they can make a nice meal to watch him die tonight with the governor. Later, Lefty incites a riot over the conditions of the cafeteria, the joke here being that everything is super fancy with candelabras and everything. What the hell is this crap? You call this quiche? It's slap! And this bouillabaisse is nothing but tripe! That's right. Yeah! Look at the wine they got the nerve to serve us. Do you believe this? Domestic Chianti? No! What do they think we are anyway? A bunch of Spanish peasants? Who made this chocolate mousse? You gotta use real cream! Or you don't make it at all! You know what I mean? This joke was reused (laughs) in uh, Naked Gun 33 and a third. Yeah. I don't think this joke is bad, but I feel like this sketch is really confused about what it's about. Yeah. Um... Because if it's about his execution and missing a chance to escape... He should care more about it. He should care more about it. But if it's about the irony of, you know, he's upset about being in prison when prison is actually, like, really nice, then they should lean into that. But I think it's just super confused yeah, about Yeah, I think every shot is a new sketch. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he gets dragged away to the chair, but the warden stops him with a roast and asks if he can hold it while he's being electrocuted. He is then walked past a few weird cells on his way to die. One has a coordinated tap dance routine. One has just a bad singer. And then another is just doing a Harpo Marx impression. And the narration comes in and says, Three chairs for Lefty. See it, and you two will say, well done. And we end with a shot of the roast smoking on a platter. The next sketch is called The Sneaker, which is a parody of Woody Allen's Play It Again Sam, replacing Humphrey Bogart with Clark Gable, or I guess just a guy that looks something but not actually not anything really, like yeah. him at all who is this you're talking about you clark gable i'm not clark gable you're not the hell no god are you a shit parody has never worked well on comedy and it especially doesn't work well on woody allen movies because they're so meta all the time anyway so all you can ever hope for is just a badly written version of a woody allen movie which you already don't like, so <laughs> yes, if it's really slightly less like funny Woody than a Woody Allen movie, that's just depressing. Yeah, yeah, this sketch didn't make any sense. Here the protagonist is Duddy Allen, and he's trying to attract a woman and surprises her on her way home from a date with someone else, and that guy tosses Duddy into a pool. The twist ending to this sketch is that to protest losing the girl, Duddy takes medicine that turns him into an orthodox rabbi car salesman. The next sketch... <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't need... Uh, any exploring the next sketch is the magic and mystery of the gobi an advertisement slash travel film about the gobi desert the joke here over and over is that the gobi is not a life-sustaining place and the tourists are quickly replaced with skeletons 
The last shot inexplicably shows two explorers in full safari gear with pith helmets standing in a boiling pot being stirred by white tribesmen wearing boxers, masks, and leaves. I mean, that doesn't fit the Gobi at all. No. I don't understand why we suddenly switched the joke, which already wasn't working, to something that makes no sense. Now now I'm like, wait, were all those skeletons victims of cannibals? Or did they just die in the desert? Like, the implication is supposed to be everything dies here. Yeah, and and they all just died. Like, they just show, like, skeletons laying on the ground. Now, if you put the skeletons in some funny positions, like... Well, there like, is two that are having sex, though. Yeah, but I mean, but you need to keep that going. Like, yeah. Like, have, like, because the, they show a horse skeleton, and it would be funny, like, to have, like, a her- person curled up inside the horse. Like, they try to take shelter, and then they both <laughs> ride inside. Behind the, the horse. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> like there, there's some, there, like, you can't just show, like, people, skeletons in the sand. Yeah. Yeah. But they do. <laughs> 20 do. minutes in we get a card announcing that it's intermission time all right the, luckily this movie is an hour and nine minutes it's available for free if you have prime uh which is too much <laughs> in yeah. my opinion but that's a different uh, runtime than it said on imdb yeah right? imdb says it's 124 so we're missing 15 minutes i'm this. not missing it i wouldn't say i've been missing it bob <laughs> so yeah 20 minutes in we see a card announcing that it's intermission time and we begin a commercial for Buddy Hackett on behalf of This Nation's Bedwetters. So at this point, we sort of switch from doing our parody trailers to just doing commercials. commercials. Yeah. But at some point, I feel like we also just switch to sketches. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we open this one with a shot of the Camarillo House, a historical building right down the street from where we're recording this now. Buddy Hackett is speaking to us on behalf of Stop It, which in addition to spelling Stop It, stands for Society to Oppress and Prevent Involuntary Tinkling. Stop It employees are dumping buckets full of piss into a fountain in the yard in front of the Camarillo house. Hackett happens upon a nurse chewing out a child in the yard. You know what a disappointment you are to your mother and father? If I had a hammer... Pardon me, but aren't you being a bit rough on him? What's it to you, Mac? The kid won't stop pissing. What are you, a piss freak or something? Hackett moves on to an interview with Stop It's poster boy, who doesn't answer any questions, but ends the sketch by peeing out of his ears. The next commercial is a... (laughs) (laughs) That's 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 all there is to it. There's no subtext to discuss. Although it is cool to have uh, this nurse character as kind of a nurse ratchet character uh, being played by J.P. Morgan from the Gong Show movie uh, that we had earlier this year. The next commercial is a Terry Gilliam-esque advertisement for the concession stand at the theater where you're watching this film, specifically targeting the especially stoned in the audience. Next, we see a block of scrolling text offering parents to leave their kids at the theater Friday afternoon and pick them up Sunday night. 50 hours of babysitting for $27.95 per child. Sounds like a deal to me. Which equates to about 120 bucks now, which is still only $2.40 an hour. That's a good deal. I, done. Done. Intermission ends, <laughs> and we start up with the tombstone of Walt Wisney, and a narrator introduces the plot of The Shaggy Studio Chief, which is just you know, the shaggy DA or the shaggy dog. A human is replaced by a dog for some reason. A shaggy dog hops out of Walt Wisney's grave and chases his brother Roy Wisney's limo out of the cemetery. The dog walks up to a budget rent-a-car, but has no money, so he hitchhikes to the studio, where he's then thrown off the lot. The tag at the end of the sketch is that it's a double bill with the calf who thought she was a chicken, and we see a calf in hay that gets up, revealing that there are eggs where it was just laying down, which isn't really a parody as much as it's just something Disney might put in a thing. Yeah. 
Um, it, there's no joke on top of it. So this felt like really in bad taste to me. Yeah. I don't know. Like Disney did not die that long before this movie came out. Well, he died in 66 and technically this movie was made in 77. So it had been about 11 years. It still seems really recent to sort of be ragging on the founder of a company who died. Yeah. But I, I don't know. Like when when, you know, Futurama puts president's heads or Disney's heads like in a jar and we've reanimated them. Like it's funny. Yeah, this, this thousands of years and this after wasn't funny. Death. Yeah, no, I agree that it's not it's not funny for sure. But I would argue that it's probably not offensive just because Walt Wisney is a multi billionaire and Disney is still more powerful than anyone who worked on this sketch. Yeah, it's not a good parody of a disney movie either right if you had managed to make this really an amusing parody i think that that but this was really much like this was too much on the surface yeah i i think what's most offensive is that it's not at all funny (laughs) you're you're allowed to rip on recently dead people as long as it's extremely funny you can rip on them while they're still in the process of dying if you Mm -hmm. have a solid punchline which is what i feel like we've done multiple times this year with kirk (laughs) yeah (laughs) But he wasn't, like, actively dying while we were making those jokes. He was on the verge. I guess you're actively dying from the second you're born. Uh, the next sketch is a visit with Ma and Pa. The hardest to watch in the set for my taste. Mostly because the joke of the sketch seems to be that the Pa character speaks very slowly. Excuse me. <sighs> Did you have a snort buckwheat? It's not bad. Pa introduces clips from a film called Ma and Pa Take Francis to New York. In the clip, Ma and Pa are surprised to learn that their pig Francis can talk. So they take him to New York to be famous. Which I think is the plot of Babe 2, Pig in the City. Uh, well, no, it's... no. I, I guess they're doing like a Francis the Talking Mule. Yeah, but ver, it's a pig. Ver, the pig. And, but then they go into a parody of Michigan J. Frog. Right. In, in which... They keep trying to get him to talk, but he won't talk when they need him to. And then every time he does talk, it's when people are turned around and they think that it's just them talking. Which mm-hmm. is the same thing they do in Trek. Right. With Donkey. I'm the talkingest damn thing you ever saw. <laughs> <laughs> A hotel detective busts in and says, hey, there's no pigs allowed in this hotel. But every time he turns around, the pig insults him and he keeps assuming it's Pa doing it. And eventually the detective knocks Pa out and the pig talks again. You got a great hook there, Lefty. Well, thank you. I was in the golden blood. Uh, uh, what? Uh? The next trailer is The Birth of a Nation. It's a very quick joke. We just have a woman in stirrups in a hospital room giving birth to Native Americans, pilgrims, cowboys, Abe Lincoln, and then Charlie Chaplin. And that's the whole sketch. Then we cut to a title card for The Yid and the Kid, which is a parody of a Chaplin film featuring The Bum, a parody of Chaplin's Tramp. The bum is arrested for picking a fight with a man who took down a poster endorsing communism and is apparently freed immediately because suddenly he's hitting on a woman on a street corner and that goes nowhere. He goes into a house with a kid and the kid is offering to prepare a meal and offers him several non-kosher options as the bum tries to eat his own shoe before the kid concludes that the bum is in fact Jewish and kicks him out of the house, chasing him into the ocean towards Switzerland. I'm not sure what this next trailer's a parody of, but the opening card says, The world's most acclaimed ballerina is dead, but her shoes live on. Do you know what this is a reference to? No. I don't know either. 
but maybe there was a ballet movie around the mid to late 70s and the story here is that the ballerina from that movie is dead because she got stabbed and a man takes the stage in front of an audience to announce that pavlova pavlova is sick and the show is canceled but backstage we see her corpse with a knife in its back so anna pavlova is a famous ballerina right did she have a movie in the 70s or did Uh, she get killed well she died she died famously I don't know. <laughs> she died in like 1976. I'm going to say that's more tasteless than the Walt Wisdom. No, no, no. She died in, in the 30s. <laughs> okay. Either way, the audience is furious that this show isn't happening. So uh, the man who was announcing her sickness is now wearing her shoes and performs the ballet very poorly on stage with trained dancers. He continues dancing for whatever reason until the next morning when he is shot and killed on stage. And we learn the title to what was apparently a trailer called scuffed shoes and that's that sketch next is a world war ii trailer called just a run in the sun before the trailer proper were introduced to a narrator and the author of the source material ernie piles who is speaking with a row of veterans the first is a man with silverware for hands the second is a man with a plate on his head not in his head on his head And then a person with no head just (laughs) pouring tea into the stump. One of the men in this group, Private Snits, gets a letter from home and he heads into a locker to jerk off. If you'd have told me that Gorp wouldn't be the worst movie this year with a guy masturbating in a locker, I'd have called (laughs) you crazy. Wait, wait, wait. So, sorry, I'm preempting our review later. You think this whole collection of crap is worse than Gorp? Yes. There's very little that is worse than Gorp. (laughs) This is worse than Gorp, though. It just is. There was a story in Gorp. I'd rather watch this collection of crap than Gorp. I don't believe you. Piles relays another chapter of his war stories about a group of men on a submarine. One farts and another lights it and the submarine explodes. Next, we get a Western. It's called A Fistful of Something. (laughs) This one made me chuckle. Yeah. There, there is a weird joke in here. So first we have this mysterious man riding in on a horse. And all the fingers of one hand are clenched into a fist. An Indian is being thrown out of a bar. But it's like an Indian from India. Which I guess is the joke of the beginning. That it's cowboys and actual Indians. But the man with the clenched fist raises a gun. And a second Indian says, don't shoot. Cows and cowboys are sacred to us. He shoots anyway and a whole shootout commences. But the only actual joke here comes from a woman asking how long he's worked for Don Corleone, and the man says, Two years. Before that, it was Don Amici for six. Don Rickles for three. (laughs) Um, A blind guy enters town and tries to kill our hero, but just shoots spastically all around. But the the other joke that's funny here is that every once in a while, people just want to see what's in his hand, and they can't get his hand open to see what, what the fist is full of. The next sketch is for a movie called Welcome to Bacon County, An interracial couple has their car breakdown in a backwoods southern town, and the man sets up drums to play on the side of the road. Maybe to get attention? I'm not sure. A cop shows up and gives them a ride. He offers them weed, a la heartbeat, but no takers. They're not going to get caught in this sting operation. But it's not a sting operation. He's literally just offering them weed. He tells them that Lake Sturgeon is supposedly the oldest living animal with a lifespan of potentially 152 years. It's not even close to true. I don't think so. A creepy couple rents them a room at a hotel, and hours later a man enters with a tray of food and drinks while they discuss how creepily nice everyone's been. The joke being that you would expect this couple to not be treated well in this part of the world. 
uh, but everyone's being pretty nice. Well, I think it's also a parody just on sort of horror films. Yeah. You know, that you're expecting that something's going to go terribly wrong. Right. But instead, just one thing goes a little confusing. Uh, The guy with the food seems to be hitting on his wife, or at least excessively complimentary. And so the, the husband gets very angry and calls him a shit kicker. And then the shit kicker thinks this is hilarious and leaves happy with this new word that he can use because it's so funny. The next morning when they're trying to leave the hotel, the guy who brought them their food, the shit kicker, is for some reason in the back of their van. And so they speed away and he falls out of the back. And that's the end of the sketch. The next set is a montage called That's Sexploitation. And it's basically just, we wrote a list of four porn titles and here's pictures that we stapled together to be a sketch. But they mentioned that Happy Hooker goes down on Washington, which is one of the clues that this was made in 77 and just released now because there was already another sequel to Happy Hooker by here. Uh, We already reviewed it. It was called Happy Hooker Goes Hollywood. Uh, They also mention 2069, A Space Orgy, The Spy Who Bit Me, and All the President's Girls. Uh, The next sketch is The Pom-Pom Boys, or The Return of The Pom-Pom Boys, which is just a gender swap of The Pom-Pom Girls. So we have male cheerleaders being forced to use their bodies to help an all-girls basketball team win the championships by having sex with the girls on the other team. I do kind of enjoy the gender swap on this, just to explore the idea of how ridiculous those movies actually are. Where they're just mm-hmm. like, we should do this for the team, guys. Like, yeah. this really matters. The one part that really got me, actually, the second time watching it, is when... Uh, one of them comes out of the bathroom and like wraps a towel very lazily around himself and then there's another one ironing and another one just reading on the bed and at the end of the sketch one of them's like oh it's my turn to take a shower and he takes off his shirt and the camera just zooms into his chest for the whole rest (laughs) of the sketch but yeah other than that there's really not much to it then we move on to billy jerk goes to oz which is a co-parody of billy jack and the wizard of oz Uh, jerk is a is bit by a snake and transported to Oz, where he meets the Menchkin, a Scarecrow, and a Tin Man who they just flip off and walk away from instead of oiling. The Scarecrow refers to Menchkin as Shorty once, and Billy Jerk goes crazy on his behalf and destroys the Scarecrow. Shorty? Did I just hear you call that midget Shorty? When I hear somebody call a friend of mine Shorty, or pygmy, or shrimp, or half pine, or, or billy, or or tiny, or or teeny tiny. Anyway, when I hear words like that, words filled with hate, and reeking with the total lack of respect for the simple, basic, God-given, innate dignity of mankind, well, I. Oh, sure, he, he's short. Yeah, he he literally. Yeah, he's he's even teeny tiny, maybe. But when I see injustice perpetrated, when I see such a total lack of regard for even these silly, insignificant little twerks, when I go fucking crazy! And that's that whole sketch. That's it. That's everything that happened. Our last sketch is called Dark Town After Dark, where we have an all-African-American band performing the song referenced by the title in a nightclub. Well, I woke up this afternoon and I felt that everything was pretty much okay. That's good. And I made love to my baby in my usual way. That's 
put on my shoes, they were too tight, they would not fit. Then I went to use the convenience and almost froze my toes. Here's Get my medals with greed I just laugh at them all And say all I really need Is wealth so. oh, Tight pussy loose shoes And a warm place to shit Tight pussy loose shoes And a warm place to shit Tight pussy loose shoes And a warm place to shit That's it And that's the end of the film. <laughs> we, we cut right from that song ending to the credits, which are long and in alphabetical order, which I hate. Well, like, presumably there's, what, another 12 minutes? Like, what, two, three, four sketches potentially that are not know. in this cut that we watched? I feel like that, that timing must include, like, commercial breaks from when this aired on television at some point. Maybe. But it got a theatrical release, so. Yeah, I don't know. Our director here, Ira Miller, he's an actor in a lot of Mel Brooks stuff. He was in Blazing Saddles, High Anxiety, History of the World Part 1, Spaceballs, Robin Hood, Men in Tights, Dracula Dead and Loving It. He also appeared in Armed and Dangerous and Rain Man, voice only, apparently. Uh, he makes an appearance in this film as a blind man, the guy who's shooting all over the place in the Western, and one of the narrators for one of the trailers. Writer Ian Prazer. Uh, a lot of TV sitcoms, Bosom Buddies, Taxi, Caroline in the City. He was featured in this film as Fat Man. I'm not sure which Fat Man. Because their credits aren't in sketch order. They're in just alphabetical order by last name. Writer Royce D. Applegate. Uh, he played Callan and Alligator earlier this year. Uh, weirdly, he plays... His credit is Coming Attractions, the name of this film, in History of the World Part 1. Uh, he's also in Splash, Armed and Dangerous, and also in Rain Man. Also as a voice, which uh, <laughs> him and Ira both have that credit. I wonder if maybe... They're showing clips of this movie? Or someone's watching Splash, cause the, or Armed and Dangerous. Does someone watch Armed and Dangerous in the movie? No one's watching Loose Shoes in <laughs> Rain Man. I bet it was easy to license. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he was also in Sequest 2032. That's right. And uh, a couple Coen Brothers movies, O Brother and Intolerable Cruelty. Mm -hmm. And he plays Delmas in the Bacon County sketch, which I think is the shit kicker. Correct. Louis Arquette was the warden in Three Chairs for Lefty. He is the father of Rosanna, Patricia, Alexis, Richmond, and David, and the former father-in-law of actors Nicolas Cage, Thomas Jane, Patricia's former husbands, Courtney Cox, David's first wife, and James Newton Howard, Rosanna's former husband. Uh, he played Hatcher in The China Syndrome, Weiler in Tango and Cash, and Clifford Woolley in Waiting for Guffman. He also appeared in Sequest 2032 once. And he appeared on Saved by the Bell as Screech's Uncle Lester in one episode. Tom Baker played Billy Jerk. He plays Stokowski in Two Minute Warning, and he's a federal agent in Roller Coaster, which I've mentioned before. It's a good movie. His last credit on IMDb is listed as 
the Egyptian captain in Holy Moses that apparently IMDb considers earlier than this. He died of a drug overdose at 42 two years later. In Oliver Stone's The Doors, Baker is portrayed by Michael Madsen. Dorothy Van, the army nurse from A Run in the Sun, or Just A Run in the Sun, was a writer for Silver Spoons, Punky Brewster, and Mama's Family. Beans Morocco, who played the shaggy dog, was Bob the janitor in Police Academy 5 and a bank president in Police Academy 6. He plays Stanley Dawoski, the Polish customer that Kurt Russell pretends to be Polish with in used cars. All right. And he'll be back later this year in any which way you can. J.J. Barry was Indian number one. That's the guy getting thrown out of the bar, probably. He plays Prehistoric Man in History of the World Part 1 and Rack Jobber in Spinal Tap. I don't know what Rack Jobber means. Billy Curtis was the Menchkin from Billy Jerk Goes to Oz. He plays the hero Buck Lawson in 1938's The Terror of Tiny Town, the world's first and probably only Western musical featuring an all-dwarf cast. He's also the braggart munchkin in The Wizard of Oz, so he was actually in The Wizard of Oz and then in this sketch. He also plays Mordecai in High Plains Drifter. Danny Dayton was the bartender. He plays Rusty Charlie in Guys and Dolls. He's the sound man in Ed Wood. And he plays a character named Sid in a movie I really like called The Dark Backward. Murphy Dunn was the tough white GI in A Run in the Sun. I think that's the guy who says that he won't jump in a foxhole with a black person. Mm -hmm. Um, He was the composer for this film. And we previously had him as a member of the Blues Brothers in The Blues Brothers. We actually also had him as Dr. Schallert, the doctor with a blatant disregard for HIPAA violations in Last Married Couple. The one who's telling everybody where they got their STDs from. Walker Edmiston was Pa from the Pig Sketch. He does the voice of Inferno on Transformers. He was the voice of Sir Thornberry on The Gummy Bears. He was Harvey Gabor on Gem. And he's also the voice of God in Holy Moses earlier this year. Sean Fry was the poster boy for the Stop It organization in the uh, Bedwetting Sketch. He plays the boy at the science fair in Real Genius. He was Steve in E.T. I assume that's a friend of the kids. Yeah. And uh, he's also Jordan St. Hubbins, son of Michael McKean's David St. Hubbins, lead singer of Spinal Tap in This is Spinal Tap. Buddy Hackett played Buddy Hackett. (laughs) Uh, He's the voice of Scuttle from The Little Mermaid. He's Benji Benjamin in Mad, 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 Mad World. He's Tennessee Steinmetz in The Love Bug. Marcellus Washburn in The Music Man. And he's Ebenezer Scrooge. In Scrooge. Uh, Sid Haig was the lone stranger from uh, Fistful of Something. He's Captain Spaulding in a couple of Rob Zombie movies, House of a Thousand Corpses and Devil's Rejects. He was Jay in Kill Bill Volume 2, which I think is the guy who owns the strip club that Michael Madsen works at. And uh, he's also in a couple of MacGyver episodes. Larry Hankin was the second veteran in Run on the Sun. That's the guy with a plate on his head. He plays Old Joe on Breaking Bad, Carl in Billy Madison, and earlier this year we had him in Die Laughing as Acid Face Bad Guy. I forget if he had a name even. Sandy Helberg was the biker eulogist in Skateboarders from Hell. He's in a few Mel Brooks movies. Uh, he's Dr. Schlotkin in Spaceballs, and he's a disciple in History of the World. He was also one of the cops in Hollywood Nights earlier this year, the one that's not in all the Ernest movies. And he plays the director on the set of Johnny Cage's movie at the, at the beginning of Mortal Kombat. Howard Hessman was Ernie Piles. He was Johnny Fever on WKRP in Cincinnati. He was Dr. Faraday in Flight of the Navigator. He was Rupert King in another sketch movie called Amazon Women on the Moon. Uh, Ed Lauder plays Sheriff Bob 
I feel like we had him earlier this year, but I was looking through everything and I can't find him. He mm. just looks so familiar. But he's in a lot of stuff. He is. But uh, the credits I had here were Carnahan in King Kong, Joe Camber in Cujo, and he plays the coach in Not Another Teen Movie. Hap Lawrence was the Scarecrow. Uh, we had him already this year as Sergeant Major in The Nude Bomb and The Blind Man in Holy Moses. He'll be back as a nudist in Loving Couples and an endocrinology fellow in Altered States. Britt Leach played Billy Joe. I don't remember who Billy Joe was, but this is our second episode in a row with a Billy Joe after The Hunter. Yeah, that, that's, you know, as soon as I read Billy Joe, I was like, wasn't that from a different movie? <laughs> he plays Gary's dad in Weird Science. He was Mr. Sims in Silent Night, Deadly Night, and he's Mr. Potter in The Last Starfighter. Uh, Ricky Marin was the commie lady that was Cheech's wife at the time. Uh, we had her in Cheech and Chong's next movie. Uh, she's also in Corsican Brothers and Nice Dreams with Cheech. And she was also in The Gas Pump Girls as a character named January. Michael Miller is credited as Biker. Like screenwriter Royce D. Applegate, he is also credited as Coming Attractions in History of the World. Also Fowler in Three Days of the Condor and Monk Mayfair in Doc Savage. Louisa Moritz was Margie. She was Rosie in One Floor of the Cuckoo's Nest. Carmela in The Last American Virgin. Myra in Death Race 2000, and Gloria in Up in Smoke. Not Gloria in Next Movie, which was played by Cheech Marin's wife. They had a different Gloria in their second movie than in their first movie. J.P. Morgan was the nurse at Stop It. We had her in the Gong Show movie. She's also celeb number two in Home Alone 2, and Kate Parker in Night Patrol. Bill Murray was lefty. Obviously, we had him this year in Where the Buffalo Roam and Caddyshack, and we'll see him next in Stripes. Van Dyke Parks played Indian number two. Uh, he also plays Hoagie, the piano player in Popeye this year. He has soundtrack credits on Jungle Book, Heathers, The Departed, The Two Jakes, Follow That Bird. Very eclectic mix of movies. Mm -hmm. Avery Schreiber was the theater manager who dances in the ballerina's shoes. He was Captain Cornelius Butt in Galaxina. He's in Men in Tights and Dead and Loving It. And we'll see him next as Auk in Caveman next year. Doug Steckler was the priest... He was a writer for SCTV and the Martin Short Show, also the show formerly known as the Martin Short Show, which is what they called the same show the following year. <laughs> uh, Dave Shelley played Sarge, uh, Harold's father in Midnight Madness, the one who strong arms Stephen First into the contest against his will. Robin Sherwood played Biker Chick Number 2. She plays Carol Kersey, the daughter of Paul Kersey in Death Wish 2. She's also Eileen in Tourist Trap and Betty in Blowout. And she played Woman in Serial, not clear which one, and Lab Assistant in Hero at Large so far for us this year. Lynn Marie Stewart was the woman at the budget rent-a-car who would not rent a car to a dog, even though I think someone rented a car to a dog in Bon Voyage Charlie Brown <laughs> yes, earlier they did. <laughs> uh, she plays Miss Yvonne in Pee-wee's Playhouse. Mother Superior in Big Adventure. She's Charlie's mom on Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And she's Scott Ackerman's mom on Comedy Bang Bang. Betty Thomas was biker chick number one. We had her earlier this year as one of the strippers dancing on cars in used cars. She also directed Howard Stern's private parts, John Tucker Must Die, and The Squeakquel. Susan Tyrell played Boobies. That was her character's name in this. Uh, she plays Queen Doris of the Sixth Dimension. She's Ramona Ricketts in Crybaby. And she's Oma in Fat City. I feel like boobies is not a far departure from her Forbidden Zone role. No, that sounds it's about right. 
She really doesn't get enough to do in that sketch for my taste. Well, what's funny to me is that I feel like I first recognized her from the arch in her back. Like yeah. just her posture yeah. was was so recognizable. And then, you know, and then, you know, the smirk on her face and She's sort very of the, royal. the accent. Like I was like, <laughs> Oh, okay, yes, I know who this is. Uh Teddy Wilson was Elijah Abdul Jamal Muhammad. I'm forgetting who that was in this. That that is that, in the same sketch same with sketch. booties. Yeah, that's that was, her partner. Oh, that that's her husband. Yeah, in that? that that was the joke that like once he says his full name, they're gonna get super racist because he's. But got, they don't. Yeah, he's just like, oh, that's a beautiful name or something like that. Yeah. Uh, we just had him as Winston Blue in our previous episode, The Hunter. He was the guy with all the cops outside of his apartment, um, and he also played Nails in Carney. Bill Zuckert was the hotel detective. He plays Ace Landon in Hangar 18. He was Mr. Menges in Critters 3. And he's Mr. Finkel in Ace Ventura. Gary Owens was the narrator voice on one of these sketches. Not sure which one, but he's the original voice of Space Ghost in the 60s. And then again in an 80s series called Space Stars. He also does the voice of Powdered Toast Man. Nice. Which I think you asked recently if Kirk, Kirk Douglas. Douglas was Powdered Toast Man. <laughs> well, oh, at, least an, at least an inspiration for the drawing of yeah. him. I'm sure that chin came from him. Yeah. Uh, and of course we also have Harry Shearer as the narrator voice in a couple of the sketches he is obviously a voice actor with 682 credits on the Simpsons that's 682 episodes that he has credits in he's Principal Skinner, Flanders, Burns, Smithers, Jasper, Lenny, Kent Brockman, Lovejoy, Hibbert, Rainer Wolfcastle, Scratchy, Kang and many others he's also in a lot of Christopher Guest movies probably all of them or most of them and uh, he's also a member of Spinal Tap so I'm trying to account for the missing time. Yes. That I feel like there's sketches that we missed out on. But forgive me, I can't remember the names of all of the sketches. Okay. So did we have a sketch called The Last Mile? No. No. Did we have a sketch called Quackers? No. Did we have a sketch called Bad News Bears in Getting Laid? No. No. Okay, so all of those titles were on IMDb as uh, segment titles. Uh, so, so those must be the missing. So ones. those were missing. Those were missing sketches that were not part of this cut. Interesting. And it's weird too because it's not. It's not uncommon for an edited for time version to be the version that circulates. But if this was edited for time, it certainly wasn't edited for television because there are boobs in it. Yeah, there are, but it could have been edited for like HBO or something because it's definitely. Uh, very low quality. Mm-hmm. Like this is not a this is not a film scan. This is a this is a transfer from a tape yeah. somewhere. So, but if these were the ones they left in, how bad are the ones they took out? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess because for me, the worst one is that Ma and Pa one. But the laziest one would be that that's that's exploitation one. But you can't cut that out because it has like most of the boobs. And if you're cutting this for HBO, it's like, well, you can't cut out anything with boobs. Yeah. I don't know. Um, it's not great. There were a couple moments that were No, amusing. I definitely laughed at stuff in it. I still put it below Gorp. Because... I don't. I because don't. The, the least funny parts of Gorp are not as unfunny as this. Like, so much of this falls flat that it's barely a movie. I. It's not necessarily a movie, but... I still feel like it's more tolerable than a bunch of guys just screaming at the camera for an hour and a half. 
I'm in Jesse's camp, and I have this placed above Gorp. Like, literally right above Uh, Gorp? Oh, no, several above Gorp. It's a few above Gorp for me. I think it's less capably made than home movies. Uh, Production value-wise. Well, I feel like home movies had more production value, for sure. Yeah. But I also feel like this movie was just, for the most part, was just get a bunch of people and do something. Like I, someone you pulled a lot of favors to get. I don't like, know how they got Buddy all these Hackett famous people. J.P. Morgan. I feel bad for Buddy Hackett, even as he's reciting the lines in this movie, because the end of that sketch is him saying, "Someone's gonna hand a a bucket down the aisle of the theater now, and if you want to put money in it, go ahead." And as the bucket is being pissed uh, passed around, and you can tell, even as he's saying the joke, he hates mm-hmm. the joke. Why did he agree to be in this movie? I don't know. They had him for four hours. Was there a budget on IMDb for this one? No. Because, like, unless you paid these guys a lot of money, I don't know why they would do it. I I think it was shot over the course of, like, two and a half years where they were like, we're going to do something with these sketches eventually. Like, this is going to be a pilot for a sketch show, but then it never worked out. So they were like, let's just cut them together and pretend it's a movie. And they sold it to someone. But. And then after (sighs) Bill Murray blew up, they were like, now we have a shot. Like, Saturday Night Live was already a thing. Right. So I. Not in 70. Well, no, in 77. It started in 75. So it was barely a thing. I guess. But I'm just saying, like, I know you want a a venue for your sketches, but this feels like the rejected sketches. Yeah. Like, they're too too good to to pass up. And somebody's like, I got to make a movie out of this. It's like, no, no. They were passed on for a reason. Yeah. And maybe it was just early enough in sketch comedy, you know, era that. They were like, they, they still didn't understand that there was a methodology to this, that these sketch were passed on for a reason. Yeah. They made it into a movie, and they shouldn't have. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I've been to shows at the UCB that are 100% improvised that had better punchlines than any sketch in this. It's rough. Yeah. Up or down, Jess? <laughs> well, it's a pretty obvious down for me. Yeah, it's a down. I would say... Google three chairs for lefty if you're a completist, but it's not good. If you want to see the worst thing Bill Murray ever did, check that out. It it uh, it he, makes Garfield two look like Life Aquatic. He's not even himself in this sketch. He feels no, like true. he's trying to play. He doesn't even feel like he's trying to play a character. He just I don't even know what this is. It's weird. It's uncomfortable. Uh, up or down, Richard? Oh, uh, it's definitely a down. Um, this is one of the rare occasions where we watched the movie together, and although I give it a down, it's not at the very bottom of my list. It's going to be down there. There were several times I was just looking at Pat, going, like, just trying to telepathically communicate. Please take this off the list. Can Please we do anything stop else right this now? movie right can, now? Yeah. Can we just play video games and stop watching this? <laughs> yeah. No, it's a down for me. I'm trying to figure out where it goes. It's below middle age crazy, which is third from my bottom. I think it's below Bon Voyage Charlie Brown even. Yeah, it's definitely below Bon Voyage Charlie Brown. So it's either second from my bottom or the bottom. It's what what side of home movies do I put this on? That's wh- that's where I was struggling too. Uh, I was struggling with home movies and middle age crazy. Um, but I think I actually put it above both Middle Age Crazy and Home Movies because I think that I at least laughed a few times during this, which I didn't really 
enjoy those other two movies in any way. <laughs> you know what? You're right. It It's above home movies for me. So it's second from the bottom. It's not as it's not as capably made as this movie that was made by film students. Yeah. But it also <laughs> wasn't made by film professionals. So film students still have a leg up over people who never went to film school. Especially Brian De Palma's film students. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to put it second from the bottom. So out of 93 movies, this is in 92nd place for me. Well, mine is sixth from the bottom. So like I said, home movies and middle-aged crazies below it. But definitely Gorp of the Academy and Nothing Personal are also below it because I just cannot stand those movies. But Bon as Charlie Brown gets a little bump up for me. Richard? Um, I have this, uh, I guess the highest of all of us. Um, I have it at... Number four. <laughs> number four <laughs> with a bullet. No, uh, I have it at uh, 85 uh, which puts it just below Don't Answer the Phone and just above Forbidden Zone. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, you're wrong about that. <laughs> but I got the, both the Susan Tyrell movies together. <sighs> I think you need to rewatch Forbidden Zone. Do I? <laughs> I think you would rather rewatch Forbidden Zone than watch Loose Shoes again. I don't know about that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Really? That's That's mind-blowing to me. Anyway, I think that's everything for this one. If you guys have any thoughts you'd like to share with us, we are Vintage Video Pod on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Letterboxd, where, as I've said before, you can find each of our full movie rankings for the year. We can also be found at VintageVideoPodcast.com. Please consider rating us on iTunes to help people find the show. And if you take the time to leave us a review, we will thank you personally in an upcoming episode. If you're feeling especially generous, you can also support the show through Patreon.com slash VintageVideoPodcast. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time when we'll be discussing Raise the Titanic which IMDb describes like so. To obtain a supply of a rare mineral, a ship-raising operation is conducted for the only known source, the RMS Titanic. I'm going to get that heart of the ocean back. No, it's a different rock they need. Please tell me it's unobtainium. It's basically <laughs> it's for, unobtainium. For bani- for, I'm like three-quarters of the way through it. It's essentially unobtainium. Or balonium. Vibranium, that's the word I was going Bolonium for. is in... Uh, the Mighty Ducks cartoon. That was what their ship was made out of. Yeah. <laughs> they found an alien that eats it. Why would the Titanic be the only source of this material? It's not the only source, but there's a source, and then they were trying to move it with the Titanic discreetly, and then the Titanic oh. sunk. I guess we'll have to watch to find out. We leave you now with the trailer for Race the Titanic. What a lovely thing she was. Standing as high in the water as one of your skyscrapers. And God himself, they said, couldn't sink her. Then in two hours, she was gone. And 1,500 souls with her. Control, this is Deep Quest at 8,000 feet. Negative contacts. This is Turtle. No contacts. the jackpot. It's at the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean. You're talking about 12,500 feet underwater. Which leaves us with only one choice. Are you talking about raising the Titanic? Yeah. It's the biggest job with the highest stakes anybody ever dreamt of. 
there's a leak, we have to stop it. What do you mean by a leak? I don't even know what you're talking about. It was a secret. That's what I'm telling you. Nobody knew about it. This is control. Do not exceed 12,000 foot depth limit. Out. This is Starfish. We're plenty. Try the surface. Over. Starfish. It's gone dead. She's going down fast. They gotta lose some weight. Uh, Release the damn thing. Running. I took this job on two conditions. One, that I handle the salvage end of it my way, and two, that you stay out of my hair. I'm gonna crush the deep quest. Indicates electrical fire on the left. If we can't cut loose that submersible, we gotta bring up the Titanic. Target date's two weeks away. Our target date just got changed. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Mark.